With the growth of connected cars and autonomous vehicles, cybersecurity is more important than ever. But it's not enough to just protect cars from hackers. Car companies must take a holistic approach, including getting suppliers involved. On this week's show, our panel of experts discuss how the industry can protect itself from cyber attacks. Underwriting for the production of AutoLine this week has been provided by the Michigan chapter of NDIA and by General Motors Defense, LLC. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. We're doing something a little bit different today. We are at the National Defense Industrial Association Summit, their annual summit. And the topic today is one that's really hot in the automotive industry and in the defense industry. We're going to be talking all about cybersecurity and what these industries are doing to deal with it. And I've got a terrific panel today, starting with Kevin Turney. He's the Chief Product Cybersecurity Officer for General Motors. Uh, we also have Craig Smith. He's a Research Director of Transportation Security at a company called Rapid7. And we have Lieutenant Commander Matthew Legler of NAVSI with the U.S. Department of Navy. I want to thank all three of you for joining this panel today. And, and just, uh, I want to uh, start off with you, uh, Commander uh, Matt, I guess I'll call you. NAVSI, what is that? I've never heard that acronym before. Yeah, so uh, NAVSI stands for Naval Sea Systems Command. It is uh, one of the largest, uh, the largest in the Navy. Um, we uh, work all the engineering and acquisition for the U.S. Navy's ships and submarines. Um, and uh, we have approximately 70,000 uh, people workforce, so pretty large organization. I, I'd say that's a huge organization. And then, Craig, Rapid7, tell us a little bit about that company because you're the hacker on the panel. Yeah, I'm sitting in for Eric Evanschlick. Uh, he, he couldn't make it in time, but you definitely need to have him on later. Um, I, um, I focus on planes, trains, automobiles, maritime equipment, mainly at the uh, hardware security level, um, looking at breaking into the vehicles themselves to identify vulnerabilities and report them up the chain so that they can get fixed. Kevin, we know all about General Motors, but it's been fascinating for me to, to watch the evolution of cybersecurity at General Motors. Would you talk a little bit about that, how you guys got into this and how it's changing right now? Because you're new to this position. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, John. Um, you know, we've been under an evolution at, at GM when it comes to cyber for many years. And actually, just recently, we have an organizational change where um, Jeff Massimilla is now our vice president of global cybersecurity. I report to him as the chief product cybersecurity officer. But we've also combined the functions of information security, manufacturing security, our crews, autonomous vehicle security, uh, as well as GM Financial. And so really uh, having a holistic look across the entire enterprise, all the different functions uh, collectively from a cyber perspective. So it's, it's an exciting time um, you know, with the support of our leadership and, and you know, really making cyber a key focus at GM. Yeah, and we'll get into more details on that too, obviously too. But Matt, same sort of thing too. It seems to me that the Navy is taking more of a holistic approach. Would you talk about that too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Navy has recognized that uh, cyberspace is a warfare area and it's something that we need to be uh, very good at uh, to defend the nation. And so um, wherever we can get together with uh, industry partners and talk about this very important subject, uh, we, we take it. So, And uh, 
Craig, have you seen this kind of evolution? I mean, you, you deal with all kinds of companies in different industries, right? Yeah, it's nice. I do get to see like everything from tier suppliers to OEMs to military groups. And you know, we've done this for, I guess we've known this for about eight years now. And in the beginning, it was, it was very difficult to kind of just even have the initial conversation. Um, a lot of times we're seeing things where they're saying, well, we have safety standards. That's basically security standards. And then you had to kind of go through the process of really educating on what a true threat model looks like and why this is not that the product isn't functioning, it's just not functioning as intended. So it's a different thing you have to like look for. And we've definitely made a lot of really good strides. Um, there's still plenty of areas to work on, uh, but it's way better than it was. You know, to me it sounds uh, obvious maybe in a way or logical that you have to take more of a holistic approach. But go into the details, why? Well, you know, cybersecurity really, it, it can impact you from every angle uh, within a company. And not all of it's cyber related. Some things are, are actually physical related. So uh, security is actually one big, broad area. And, and when you are trying to assess the risk for a company as broad as General Motors, you really need to be thinking about all of those different risk factors. Um, obviously, I'm focused on the product, the vehicles, and the vehicle services uh, that we produce and, and sell globally, which is a huge endeavor. But if you think about the manufacturing sites that we have around the globe, uh, joint ventures around the globe. It, it's a huge effort. And so every one of those uh, potential entry points into the company is, is a risk and something that we have to look at holistically. Anyone uh, want to add to that? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, uh, um, when, when you start talking about cybersecurity, you know, it's really all about uh, the, the data, the, the ones and zeros. And uh, particularly today, you know, when, when you start talking about things like control systems that are controlling mechanical systems, uh, the integrity of that data is very critical. Um, if, if there is a problem, uh, you can. You, you can shut down your, your propulsion, your cooling, your power, uh, things that are vital to uh, the, the, the way not only our ships move, but also the way our economy moves. So, Craig, how do you explain it to your clients that they have to take this kind of approach? Well, I mean, we're starting to see more and more of it. And we, we see a lot, um, we have like the, the concept of the Internet of Things kind of deal, you know, where things are being more connected. Um, and we have a decent amount of like products and kind of um, models for dealing with Ethernet and IP related systems. Things that are kind of you know, related to what we traditionally call like servers and whatnot. So as those get connected to those, those traditional networks, we have a more insight and we can kind of see some of the physical responses to them. But the area I think we're still very much so lacking in is going beyond Ethernet seeing things that aren't from that traditional network, be it a raw signal or you know, a vehicle network system which is different, and how do you get that out? Because that's still part of your threat modeling. Even if you're doing gate controls or proximities, those are oftentimes out of scope. And so we're, we're now kind of struggling with how do we include all these different things that determine what our, like our corporate or our government actual structure is for our security posture. Matt, I see you're nodding your, your head in agreement with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, one of the things we've been doing in the Navy is, you know, you, ha you have engineers which are highly specialized. You know, they, they know a particular part, a particular system better than anyone else. And, uh, but, but then you have your traditional IT uh, folks who work on computers. They're, they're your pen testers. Um, and so we've been working on merging those two together. So we really get the engineers starting to think about cybersecurity, uh, an area which they traditionally haven't um, as much as they need to. And so, um, and then likewise, also giving the uh, pen testers and uh, uh, folks in the IT community more exposure to the other side of the house also. Well, let's talk more about uh, the product specifically then. And, and we can talk 
vehicles and we can talk submarines and aircraft carriers in this conversation. But right. Kevin, it's got to be very difficult. Yeah, you just said it yourself. There's all different threat points of entry. Right. And yet you, General Motors, deal with thousands of suppliers all over the world, making all different kinds of parts, dealing with sub-tier suppliers themselves, right. hundreds of millions of lines of code going into all these different things. <laughs> How do you possibly get your arms around yeah. it? Yeah. It's, it's a big challenge, I'll just like you, out, you outlined there. Um, really, it starts with risk assessment and a, having a risk-based process. Uh, so within our organization, you know, we look at our, our vehicles. Uh, fortunately, we have a lot of common architectures across all of our different global vehicles. Um, and so we share a lot uh, of different software and, and components. Uh, but using those risk-based approaches, we really highlight the areas that we need to focus on from a security perspective, both in uh, requirements to the supply base as well as penetration testing or other scanning and testing. And so then we work with those suppliers throughout the entire process to make sure that uh, before we launch, we have a confidence level based on risk, again, uh, that the vehicle meets a certain level of, of security. And so we do that day in and day out. That's our, our focus. Uh, it takes a lot of work, and it's always changing. But uh, you know, starting with those sort of principles is, is really the, the key part of, of what we do. And has this slowed down product development? Because in the automotive industry, getting to the market with the latest and greatest is so critical. Right. Um, I would say yes and no. Um, so we have to be more disciplined, of course. And so there has been a challenge, uh, you know, trying to get everything in place because security is another thing that we have to do. But it is important and it will, um, it's something that we're going to make sure we launch our products with. And so that's what we're focused on and we're trying every day to make sure we're making the right balances between speed and security and safety and all the other factors that go into a car. Craig, how do you see companies dealing with this? Uh, you know, the need to have speed to market and yet having this extra layer of checking everything out. Are there some guidelines or some best case scenario or best case examples you can provide? Yeah, I mean, it, in the software industry, we've kind of integrated security throughout the whole development life cycle. And we're trying to figure out how to do that in more of a hardware space. And we're getting there, but it's difficult. Um, OEMs have really taken the lead, mainly because it's their names on the papers when things go wrong, even if it's not their part. And so they're, they're doing requirements like, you know, you've said where they, um, you know, saying like we, we need to have you know security, and so now the tier suppliers are starting to get into the point where they're getting some of their products tested before finishing them, because mm -hmm. the issue, of course, once you find bugs and you've already done the product, it's very expensive to fix. Mm -hmm. Ideally, what we're going to want is we're going to want to work with the, the 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 developers, the hardware developers, during the engineering process as they're building out prototypes and at certain milestones to make sure that we're on the right track, we're not opening up anything, and kind of having the same thing you would have in a software development lifecycle, but with hardware as well. It will greatly reduce cost. We're not quite there yet, um, but we're getting there. So it's like everything else in the automotive industry, and I'm sure other industries too. The earlier you can get involved Absolutely. at the design stage, the easier right. it's going to be. Absolutely, and it won't be such a slowdown then, because right. it's just part of your process at that point. Yeah, and if you make decisions up front in the architecture, um, those things can be free. You know, if you make the right decision very uh, up front, you know, you get those things, you know, just along with the design. So we always try to focus as far to the left in the process as possible. Yeah, Matt, uh, the auto industry has got it easy in a sense compared to the Navy because product cycles in the auto industry, even though we think they're so long compared to the electronics industry, you guys keep carriers and submarines for decades at a time. How do you deal with something that's already been out in service and try to harden it from a cybersecurity standpoint? Yeah, so, so we're absolutely taking a, a multi-tiered approach to this. Um, there are some things that you can backfit. Um, Clearly, and uh, that's actually the thing that we moved out on first. 
uh, when we started uh, um, our, our journey into uh, making our ships more secure. But uh, um, the ideal state, obviously, is that, that we actually engineer it in up front. Um, but again, it doesn't mean that you can't uh, take things back onto existing platforms. Um, it is a big challenge, because uh, like you say, I mean, we've got ships out there that uh, you know, they're in service for 50 plus years, and so you, you see uh, the full gambit of uh, different types of systems and uh, a, a tremendous uh, volume of different technologies, and so it, it is a substantial challenge. Yeah. Um, Kevin, do you, do you guys have to worry about that retrofitting older vehicles? Well, I, I think our focus is, you know, continually improving our, our vehicle posture. So, um, you know, cybersecurity is all based on the threat. And so when we started this you know, many years ago now at this point, our focus has been uh, continual improvement and making sure that understanding uh, the risk and the threats and then continuing to add layers of mitigation like you mentioned over time. And so there's never a finish line. Um, there's always a, a, the next step and there's always um, a new threat over the horizon. And so those things are always gonna be changing, but that's, that's our goal, that's our vision is, is continual improvement. Craig is companies or the military try to get all these different tiers involved and there's all this checking. How do you measure success? How do you know that you've done it right? Well, I mean, it's, it's the best you can do is metrics. And we don't have a whole lot to go on to begin with. Um, and, you know, so what we're, we're trying to do is, you know, if we have done a, an evaluation on a product before, then we have a baseline. I mean, we, we found X, Y, and Z. Hopefully, next time we look at it again, we won't find any of those, you know, and maybe we'll just find one or something. And so we can start seeing, like, you know, is our process working better? And at this point in time, that's really what we're doing. We're kind of evaluating how is our development cycles going? You know, how many bugs did we find? Um, can we fix this? Can we change this around so it's cheaper so that the next version we make, we don't have nearly as many bugs? Um, that's primarily the method we're using at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, Matt, I'm, I'm intrigued. Here we are at uh, the National Defense Industrial Association Annual Summit uh, in suburban Detroit. We got a guy from the Navy here. Yeah. What are you coming to Detroit for? What, what's the benefit of the, the auto industry, in this case the U.S. auto industry, working in hand in hand with the Navy, or is it? Yeah, no, there's absolutely benefit. Um, uh, as I mentioned before, Na Navy uh, warships are, are very complicated pieces of machinery, uh, arguably the most complex that mankind makes. Um, <laughs> you've got everything you've got in a city and a car and you add weapons and a few other things on top of that and uh, th then you've got a ship, right? So um, uh, for us, there's a lot of parts in ships that are not too different than what's in an automobile. So there really is a lot of syn uh, synergy uh, be between the two groups. So yeah, yeah I'll add on to that. I mean, um, no matter what it is, whether it's a plane or a train or a tractor or a car, um, you know, they typically follow similar development processes, although they can be you know, wildly different in terms of length. Uh, the subcomponents can be very similar. And even if there's differences in, in the specific protocols, a lot of the threats and, and potential vulnerabilities can be common as well. So I think looking across all industries to some degree is, is very important, something that GM takes very seriously as well. Craig, we've also seen the Auto Industry Forum and Auto ISAC, uh, Information Sharing and Assessment Center. Is that the right way to go, and how do you think it is going? <laughs> well, it is definitely something we should be doing. I mean, getting people to collaborate together, security isn't really necessarily a competitive advantage. I don't, some people will try to do that, and I don't agree with that stance. I, I definitely think with security, we do need to all work together. 
um, to identify the threats and, and build on them, and that's what the purpose of the auto ISAC is, to kind of see, hey, what are you seeing? You know, what are I mean, Kevin, obviously, way better than I can. But um, it, it's, it's an area that I think is definitely a good step, just one of the many pieces to a, a larger puzzle. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, you know, the ISAC's been operating now for uh, a couple of years, uh, and w what we see is the automakers really coming together, um, and it takes time. We're all competitors, right, in a very competitive uh, environment. But to your point, uh, we don't look at it as a competitive advantage. We see it as it's really the price of entry. And so the OEMs are there, you know, all the OEMs uh, that produce 99% you know, of the vehicles in the fleet here in the U.S. are at the table having the conversation, sharing threat intel, and, and really trying to improve each other's cyber programs. So it's the right conversation. So I know you can't probably give away a lot of things, but what kind of threats are you guys seeing? How, how serious is this? Well, I mean, the, the threats are obviously um, held within the ISAC, so I'm not going to go into that detail. But, you know, there is information happening. There is security research occurring globally. Um, you know, so that information is important that we understand it, that we bring it back to our companies, even though our systems and our suppliers can be common. Um, oftentimes we have unique implementations. So just because one thing affects one automaker doesn't affect us all the same way. So we all have to look at those and, and again, apply our risk-based approaches. But um, having that common learning, especially in these early days where cybersecurity skills and, and talent are scarce, it's very important that we have that, that compounding capability. Mm -hmm. And Matt, is there a similar kind of ISAC in the military or in the Navy? Yeah, there's several mechanisms by which uh, information can be shared. I mean, obviously there are some things that the military does uh, within the intelligence community which doesn't get shared, but um, uh, a lot of stuff, you, you know, you can kind of sanitize out um, um, the areas where it came from and things like that and get it to a level where, you know, it can be shared. And uh, I think talking about you know, really just the, the physics and the engineering is an easy way to, to share information, um, you know, if you kind of divorce it from the, the threat, if you will. So Yeah, Kevin, as you mentioned, we're, we're kind of in the early days of this, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of learning going on. Uh, I'm sure General Motors, as good as it is, and it's, it, in my opinion, seems to be at the forefront of this amongst all automakers, you can't have it all. How do you make the decision that, hey, we're going to handle this in-house, or do you turn to companies like Craig's here? How, how do you make that decision, in-house or go outside? It's a great question. Um, you, you know, we've put a lot of focus over the past several years in building a, a strong internal team uh, of both just you know, security engineers as well as penetration testers. And uh, it, is, it takes time. Uh, these are unique skills. The technology is unique, and it does take uh, development time. We find value in having internal capability because we can move fast uh, once uh, the team understands that. But there's always a value of external viewpoints and diverse viewpoints because, um, because we understand our systems. You sometimes want people that don't understand your systems looking at them. So even though we have internal capability, uh, we depend strongly on third parties, whether it's uh, companies or academia, or even um, with HackerOne, we have a bug bounty program where we uh, work with security researchers. And you know we're really looking for anyone that can help us improve the security posture of our car. Uh, we're willing to work with them. So that's our view. Now, I know our audience here knows all about a bounty program. But for our television audience that may not have heard about this, sure. uh, talk about that, uh, that yeah. bounty uh, program that GM has. So, so right now what we have is a, a coordinated vulnerability disclosure program. It's on HackerOne. Basically what it does is uh, there's a whole community of security researchers or hackers, however you want to uh, phrase it, um, that, that you know, really want to contribute and, and um, you know, show what they know and how they can improve products and, and really improve society. And so um, historically there was always a gap where 
this group of people couldn't really inter integrate with the companies very well. If they knew something, they didn't know how to contact the, the Microsofts or the, you know, whoever's really started in the software industry. Uh, and so over the past several years, there's been the emergence of these, these platforms that really connect customers and these security researchers. And you can think about it as just an ability to really grow your security capability almost endlessly because whoever's out there, um, you know, and looking at your products can share information with you. Uh, the next step is, you know, a bug bounty, which is where you actually start incentivizing uh, people to look at your products, and that's uh, something that we're working on right now. Yeah, Craig, do these things work? Is that your experience? Yeah, bounties? absolutely. It's, it's a piece, like you said, and I actually love your description of it. I thought that was fantastic because, I mean, a lot of times these, these other people, they, they're very dispersed, and they're not always like full-time you know, hackers, per se. They may have just got interested in the car. Maybe they're tinkers or performance trainers, and they found something, right? right? And to them... Uh, like especially in the past, it was like you found something, they were very concerned about it, but there was no way to communicate it. And you know, when you can't, and from a, your perspective, it's great to obviously control that conversation flow too. Like you know, Correct. if you do have something, I'd rather you come to me. And if you, because what ended up happening, if you if you're concerned about something, you can't you know get it off your chest, and you can't get it to the people you think you, know, you can't call help desk. They don't know what to do with it. Um, so you end up going to like the press or giving a talk at a conference, and that's not the most ideal way for really anybody to get this fixed. Um, it, it it can have the effect, um, but it's not the one you'd want. And so it's, it's much better to have like these channels where you found something, and if you have a bug bounty program, you're even incentivizing it. So like you know, uh, I'd rather you come to us uh, than than go get like you know popularity, and we can give you some money for it if you do, because you know there there are things that have happened, and like um, a lot of times uh, a lot of the testing is happening on newer stuff that's coming down the road. You know they're more complicated than they're usually the focus. And so the bug bounty programs tend to take care of some of the other more legacy systems. So they all fit somewhere. Matt, do you guys do that in the Navy? Uh, we have some of that. Um, we've, we've got a hack the machine effort. Uh, typically, we, we get our warfare centers together and uh, other people within the Navy who are interested. And we uh, uh, set up a representative uh, piece of equipment and uh, have fun with it. Uh, but uh, obviously, we don't do that on our ships. Um, for, for obvious reasons, unless it's an actual certified, you know, team to do what specifically they're going to go do. Um, but, but, but these events are, are great where you just take a representative piece of equipment and, and just go to town on it. Because it really, it, it's, it's all about the knowledge, especially with the engineering workforce who typically doesn't have as much exposure and experience. So... I would imagine some of these uh, hackathons and you know bug bounty programs and the like can identify talent too. Kevin, isn't this a, an issue? Everywhere I go in the industry today, people sure. complain I can't get the talent I need. Yeah. Is this an issue with cybersecurity as well? Yeah, of course, and it's not just unique to automotive. I think all industries um, are really growing their their expertise around cyber, um, and so. You know, I agree the bug bounties can be a, an opportunity because a lot of times these are young hackers and they're doing this you know, maybe from their dorm room. And so we've actually had a conversation with uh, the, those very folks and uh, it's wildly passionate about our products. They know things that we didn't even know, right? And, and so you start to say, okay, let's have a conversation about you know, maybe there's a, an opportunity here for you. So I agree, it's a great way in. And, and we also um, spend a lot of time with universities trying to develop curriculum because there's not necessarily embedded, you know, from when I say embedded, you know, automotive system or, uh, you know, on a ship or you know, a train, you know, the embedded systems. Um, there's not a lot of focus of that in curriculum today, and we're really trying to change that so that we can hire those cybersecurity uh, engineers in the future. Yeah. Craig, any comments on how you get talent into this field? 
Uh, it is, like you said, very, very difficult, especially with the specialty kind of things. Um, I do love the hackathons, um, especially if you're looking for some of the like, young talent to get like, where you're, they're really interested in it because while you can have bug bunnies, um, the hackathon's great because the bug bunnies don't necessarily have the hardware. Like that's, you have to supply it yourself. But you, like you had mentioned, you can, you can bring a system that simulates something you're really going to do and something that they may not even have access to. And oftentimes they're like for a week thing. Um, so there's like a cyber auto challenge that usually goes for a week and there's one for trucking now. And when students get involved with those, they're usually working on legitimate systems right there hand in hand with OEMs and tier suppliers. And um, you see people just really getting excited about it. And so even if it's not at that moment, it will affect them in the career rise, and right. that's that's building that base you want. It's an issue in the Navy too, then I'm sure. Ab absolutely, yeah. the 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 federal government has a tough time just in general uh, attracting uh, talent because um, obviously, you know, you, you're not going to get rich <laughs> working for the federal government, but. Uh, um, Doing things like that um, is exactly how you help uh, attract the talent because you can certainly do things in the government and the Navy that you wouldn't have an opportunity to do elsewhere. So, Kevin, we're getting down to about the last minute or so here, but uh, I'll, so I'll end it up with you. The public's scared about this stuff, whether it's hacking into the elections, there's all kinds of financial improprieties, things getting stolen. Uh, We've all probably had our credit card company ask us, is this, this bill legitimate? Are we making progress? How's it going? Yeah, I think we are. Um, I, I really think it's, it's the new paradigm for the world we're in. Uh, cyber risk is really everywhere. Um, like we just talked about across our enterprise, really affects every operation uh, globally. Uh, and us personally, right? You know, we're all impacted by this. So I think it's important that, that we personally, as well as companies and the government, really take it seriously. And I, and I see evidence of that. And so, and I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. So it's something that, for us to continue focused on. It's just part of the process, of this case, in uh, vehicle development. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Very interesting discussion. I want to thank all three of you for having taken the time. Uh, you know, Matt Legler with the U.S. Department of Navy, Craig Smith with Rapid7, Kevin Turney with General Motors. Very interesting, and what a great collection that we've got here. And of course, I have to thank our audience for having been so nice and quiet while we had this entire discussion. A shout out to you as well. And of course, for the television audience, we very much appreciate you for having tuned in. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of AutoLine this week. Underwriting for the production of AutoLine this week has been provided by the Michigan chapter of NDIA and by General Motors Defense, LLC.